Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Stigler.
If you're listening on the internet, you're probably looking at a series of advertisements all over your screen. Please click one of them because when you click one of those advertisements, you're helping us to bring you the best in soulful talk radio right here on SOAR. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the soul of America Radio. The following is an actual 911 call made by a child witnessing parental domestic Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Well, welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. From coast to coast, this is where you find us tonight. Tonight is about open line. It's open line tonight, meaning that the subject matter is wide open as we talk about issues as it relates to healing and wholeness whether it be domestic violence, divorce, a broken relationship, whether it be those things that bring injury, harm uh, to an individual, how do we pick up the pieces? How do we go beyond that? Even more so, I'm concerned tonight about really the attitude, the the seemingly uh, social attitude or cultural attitude toward those individuals that are affected by domestic violence. And one thing that I found to be so true is that oftentimes there seem to be a very apathetic attitude toward victims of domestic violence, as if, you know, as if somehow or another people mind their own business or feel like, well, the victim could have done something about it. In many cases, they blame the victim. I'm concerned about that in a time where people's lives are, are taken and families are left in ruins, children are left oftentimes without mothers and even without fathers. When families are turned upside down, uh, trauma hits and everyone goes on as if no big deal. I'm concerned about that type of attitude in today's time because of the fact not even those that should be concerned and traditionally concerned seem to take this subject matter very seriously. 
As a matter of fact, I could very, very, very uh, much say that oftentimes people just say next. We go on to the next event. We go on to the next thing. We go on. We pick up the pieces and go on. Do we ever think about the life that could have been saved, the death that could have been prevented, the abuse that could have ended? Do we ever think about those matters and those situations? Do we ever consider the fact that until we stand up, speak out, become empowered, educated, and begin to make some type of provision to understand that this is not just uh, 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 it's not just another issue. This is the single greatest issue that, that really fuels our criminal justice system, domestic violence. When we see domestic violence happen, it has such an impact. Psychologically, it has an impact. It has an impact uh, generationally. It has an impact. It has an impact inside of every arena of one's life. Its impact is far-reaching and far-reaching in the sense of the fact that it scars, it automatically impacts the next generation. Domestic violence oftentimes robs a family of any type of, of, of legacy. It robs them oftentimes of the ability to ever uh, recover from these type of incidents. And yet it's still we go on as if it's no big deal. Have you talked to a child who's lost a mother? Have you talked to a father who's lost a daughter? Have you talked to a mother who's lost a child? due to this issue of domestic violence. And if we haven't, then we need to understand the fact that so many things that we say are actually without fault and without any type of knowledge or conviction, like, why don't you just get out of it? Why don't they just leave? Well, people, it's not quite that simple. It's a lot more to it than what may meet the eye. And that is what is so crucially important at this hour as we talk about hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. Eric code 323-784-9638. That's how you join us tonight. Uh, we have open line tonight, and we just want to just visit some stories. We want to visit some issues here because there are some things that are particularly uh, that are particularly disturbing to me tonight. And they're particularly disturbing because of the fact these incidents continue to happen, continue to happen, and people simply are not phased. They're not moved by them. They go on as if business as usual. And I don't know how one could do that. I don't know how we can do that when we're finding lives that are being compromised and complicated as a result of this. I see it happening way, way too often. And we have to understand, because the violence stopped, watch this, because the violence stopped, because the, even if the victim is out of the abusive relationship doesn't mean that the trauma has stopped because there's so much there's so much to consider when one is trying to regain their life when one is trying to regain their sense of being when one is trying to regain who they are inside of this when one is trying to when one is trying to get their footing back in life it is not an easy notion as a matter of fact i'll go a little further I'll go a little further to say to you that the issue of domestic violence is so far-reaching that it affects people from every walk of life, that it touches people from every aspect of life, that it's so far-reaching that literally getting out of it is only part of it. The ability to regain your life and gain control and gain stability oftentimes is a journey. It is a journey that is happening uh, simultaneously. And if there ever is a time that we need people, wow. If there ever a time that we need people, that we need support, that we need understanding, it's through these types of situations. Try being the mother who has children, who is forced to uproot and leave and go into a place that they do not know. Try being that person who's trying to get up and restart their life all over again, and yet is still finding doors closed in their face or finding it very difficult uh, to be believed. 
these are things that I cannot begin to tell you enough that are plaguing our society today. We are being plagued by it. We're seeing it happen. We're seeing it played out. And too often we are going about as if it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, it is our business. It is our business on every level. It is our business because of the fact that if we don't stand up, who will? That in this day and time, that it's important, it is imperative, may I say, let me say it again, it is imperative that we stand up and that we speak out and that we're educated about it. But most of all, do we even recognize it? Are we even cognizant of the people around us? Are we cognizant of what they're going through? And does it even matter? Or do we have a tendency to be able to pull the, pull the, uh, the blind and just pretend that it's not my issue, it's not mine, it's not my issue today? It's not my issue. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Do we continue to go on that way? Because I'm telling you, lives are impacted, lives are changed, lives are, are, are affected forever inside of an abusive relationship. You've got to understand, no one walks around and parades the fact that they are being abused. No one sits there and goes, listen, I just want to make an announcement. I've been abused. No, it's generally the fear. It's too much fear that's involved. That's not what you hear. But I tell you what you will hear if you ever take the time to listen. You hear a person that's saying, listen, I need a way out. I need a way to recover. I need, I need to be able to get through this. And the only way a person is going to get through this and, and, and is the fact that they do have the support. We have to be the support system for those that are being impacted by this issue. We have to become that support system. And now tonight, it's about that. How do we come out of this? How do we, how do we begin to rally our communities? How do we begin to rally our friends? How do we begin to rally uh, different ones around the subject matter? It's absolutely important. It is crucial. It is crucial that we will step up and that we will speak out against these ills. If we can continue to walk around it, what it says about us is that literally that it's not important enough. It's not important. But tell the daughter. Tell the daughter who lost her mom. Tell the son who lost his father. Tell the family members that are suffering on the back end of this. This is a very crucial, crucial time. It's a very crucial, crucial situation. And until we're willing to stand up, speak out about this, until we're willing to become educated, listen, we'll find ourselves too much at the end of talking about, well, I knew them, or I did not know that they were going through all of this, or I knew that he had a controlling problem, or I saw that situation, but I did not think that it would get this bad. Isn't those the things that we hear too often? Tonight is about open lines. Tonight, I want to hear your stories. Tonight, I want to hear how do you, what do you think is the, is the solution? What do you think that we must do in other, as a people and as a community to address the issue of domestic violence? What is it that you think we must do? What is it we doing enough of? 1-800, excuse me, <laughs> I want to make it a 1-800 number, I really do. No, the number is area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us. If you'd like to be a guest on the night show, you have a question or a comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets our engineer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air tonight. But tonight is really open line, and I want to talk to you really about the attitude, the attitude that is seemingly so prevailing in our society today, that attitude that, that literally uh, that people 
people can walk by as if this is not an issue. Let me give you a perfect example, and I want to draw your attention to Facebook just a little bit. As you know, we have a couple of Facebook pages out there, actually a few Facebook pages. Of course, we have Domestic Violence. It is your business page. It's there. It's an open group page there where we're always posting a lot of information about domestic violence. They're free to post things like resources, uh, you know, resource line, hotlines, uh, different warnings, uh, different things that can empower an individual that may find themselves in an abusive situation. But we also post announcements and things. And we've been posting our announcement about the uh, faith-based, special faith-based introductory training on domestic violence that is going to take place August 16th in uh, in South Florida, in Rivera Beach, as a matter of fact. And uh, for more information, you can call area code 561-439-3145 and get more information, as well as RSVP for this event. But it's interesting because we posted about this. Uh, uh, we posted about this. We've talked about this and why this is important. And we posted this, and so many things that I post, I'm always, I mean, my page is lit up. Not only people are commenting, this is great, this is powerful, this is tragedy, how can we help? And all those things there, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm just sharing a word of God, a word of wisdom, uh, there are people that are on top of it. But what has been so interesting is that now, just about a week, I have posted the flyer dealing with this faith-based uh, domestic violence training. And the most I've got is likes, L-I-K-E-S. No comments, likes, other than people talking to themselves saying, I'll check my calendar, uh, you know, I won't be in town that day. But it's interesting enough to know that people aren't saying anything, not even pastors and leaders in which this is geared to. And, and I'm going to take you there. I, I have to because, in fact, I think until we call it out, uh, we don't get very far. So let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm going to take you right back, and I'm going to read to you verbatim. You can go to our page, and, our, of course, our other page on Facebook is our uh, page of Peace and Tranquility. That's our Destiny by Choice 2 fellowship page. But I want to take you specifically, and I have to, I have to take you specifically back to our page. And I want to take you to this because I think it's so crucial that you know, and I want you to see the prevailing attitude of what happens. I want to take you here because, in fact, it's crucial, it's important. And I, I, I've done a lot of things here. Watch this. Here's what I say here, oh, my God, almost a week ago. And I, I, post, the, uh, I post the flyer there, and I said, attention all pastors and faith leaders, special faith-based training on domestic violence. And I go through the, our communities are torn by violence, our families are destroyed by violence, our faith is tested by violence. It is therefore incumbent upon us that we respond to violence through prevention, intervention, compassion, and education. Watch this now. Preaching is good. Whooping excites the listeners. Singing is moving. Uh, uh, prayer is necessary, but ministering goes beyond that. There are members and people that attend our churches that are living in abusive relationships, and way too often pastors aren't equipped to address these very serious life-and-death issues. I've been on the front lines addressing this issue for over 20 years. It's time for us to gain knowledge about the issue and how to address it. Yes, the scripture does say that my people perish for a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4 and 6. The scripture further says, states that with all thy getting, get understanding, Proverbs 4 and 7. Then I go, I'm inviting you, watch this, I'm inviting you to register and attend a special faith-based training on domestic violence to be held on August 16, 2014, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Hearst Chapel AMF 
AME at the Face and Mitchell Center there. I encourage you not to let this important training and educational opportunity pass you. Please see the attached flyer for more information. Share it with your colleagues and fellow pastors and faith leaders, Facebook friends. Make sure your pastors are aware of this training and attend. Let's save lives and families. Turn it up for that. That is my posting on that particular diet, and that's the posting that had gone out. And I promise you, as you look through the page, you will find that there are literally no comments, absolutely no comments about that. It's interesting to me. If it was something about Beyonce, if it was something about someone fighting, if it was something about, I mean, when I'm some fighting, no, 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 girl-on-girl fight, street fight, it would be comments all over the place. But here's the situation that affects so many people, and it's not the case. Even the church does not want to talk about it. That's what prompted me to do a series back in 2006 called Domestic Violence in the Silent Church, Equipping Faith Communities to Address Domestic Violence. Listen, I don't know how we do it, but I understand that people come to church, and a lot of people come and they're not whole. They're hurting. They're hurting. They're, they're, they're hurting. They're dying inside. For many of them, it took everything they had to get there. And the best we can offer them when they get to church is a continuation of wearing a mask, not being able to come to the spiritual, what should be the spiritual trauma center, and be healed. What about the bomb in Gilead? What about the bomb at First Baptist? What about the bomb at, 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 the, at the Church of God and Church of God in Christ? What about the bomb at your assembly? What about the bomb at the greater church of the burning bush? My point is very simple. It's the fact that it's interesting to me the issues that are important in, in, in the life of people. I don't know. I've pastored over 14 years, two different locations. I have served in ministry for over 28 years in public ministry. And I'm amazed at the things over years that seemingly are not important to the church or things that we avoid, the things that we walk around, the things that we shout around. And yet it's still people are hurting, people are bruised, people are, people are traumatized. And guess what? The best we will offer them is a jump and a shout. No, there's a reason why people are messed up emotionally. There's a reason why people are oftentimes broken and broken in ways that, are, that, that is so painful. And it's because we don't address it. And then rather than address it, we avoid it. We avoid it. It doesn't take a whole lot to hoop. Hoopology 101 doesn't take a whole lot. But if we have reduced ourselves to being people that want to be entertained more than we want to be empowered, then guess what? We get what we continue to advertise for. When you start demanding that, no, I need something that's going to heal me, that's going to heal my spirit, that's going to heal my soul, something that's going to give me direction, healing beyond a word of prayer. I'm talking tonight very simply about the fact of the way, what is it that we must do when it comes to changing the climate and the thought and the perception and the apathetic spirit, especially amongst our communities, when it comes to the issue of domestic violence. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. If you'd like to join us tonight, Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. If you'd like to be a caller or have a comment or question, just hit number one on your keypad. 
that lets the producer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air tonight. You don't have to give your name, uh, but we definitely welcome you on the air tonight. And so that's all you have to do, area code 323-784-9638. That's the number to reach us. Hit one on your keypad. Now, for those of you that are listening by way of Internet, that's www. Once again, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com, and you can listen there. For all of you that may be listening by way, uh, I want you to understand that you can download the app. Uh, This is also podcasted. It is there. You can download the app, Solo America Radio app, and you can listen to every show, not only just my show, Tony Stalling's show, The Faith Show, and many shows that are on this particular network. So that's the number you can reach us, area code 323-784-9638. You're on the air. That's the way you can reach us. I'm going to go right now to our caller. I believe this is one of our uh, one of our assistants and associates here. I don't want to be presumptuous, but uh, you're on the call. Caller number ended in 6962. Good evening. You're on the air. Good evening, Pastor. How are you? Good evening, Gloria. So good to have you. How are you today? I'm good. Um, you know, like as I'm listening to the show tonight um, and as I'm helping in this task, I'm just, you know, wanted to share with you again some of the experiences that I've had, you know, just trying to reach out to our, you know, our fellow churches in this um, much-needed workshop, and I know it's going to be phenomenal. And it's just, you know, as I was making phone calls today, I think I contacted about at least 12 people within an hour, and I only got one physical person on the telephone. So (laughs) it was just just amazing. (laughs) And I was like, wow. And it was actually, I think, a Catholic church. Basically, I just I just happened to you know write down the address and the telephone number. This because I was in, I was going through the yellow pages like as I because as I expressed you know my my computer's down, so I said well I got a phone book so you know there's no reason why I can't you know so I wrote it down and um and this young lady happened to pick up the phone she said okay well uh, you know give me the information and I'll pass it along to my pastor. But it's just amazing, you know, out of 12 people, only one, you know, one person picked up the telephone. But, yeah. So this is what I'm experiencing. I want you to go a little further than that, Glory, because, you know, mm-hmm. on, on last week you made some calls, and, and I, I instructed yes. you to do yes, so. And and yes, I, I want you to share some of the responses that you got from those that you did talk to. When, you, yes, when you're just simply trying to get the information to, so that we can send out uh, letters to them and flyers to them, and you and they, apparently they asked you what was this about, why did you need it, and what is the resp- some of the responses that you got from churches now. This is, this is churches yes. where we – Love the Lord, where we are about yes, saving yes. souls and saving lives. What are, what are some of the responses you got? <laughs> well, one of the responses I got literally was basically, "Well, thank you, but no, thank you." Um, you know, we're not we're not really interested, or we're already doing that, quote unquote. And my thing of it is here: even if you are doing it, what's not to get more knowledge? You know, knowledge is power. So. You know, if there's some, maybe you might need a refresher course. Who knows? You know, so uh, this is how I think. I kind of try to think outside of the box, and I don't want to be so close-minded to everything. So I'd be like, you know, I might, because that's just like with teachers. You know, we're always getting um, certifications and taking, you know, workshops to better our craft. So why not take this, you know, 
in 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 the field of you know uh, being a pastor and what have you, why not you know better yourself in in those specific um, you know areas? And it, it was just mind boggling to me, you know, to just to, to get that the, that response. That type I'm of like, response. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Just, no, thank you. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Well, I want to piggyback on something that you said there. And for those of you that are listening, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight. Listen, we have open line tonight, and we just kind of got in about how do we change the perception of, of the way that we view domestic violence, especially among the church, within our communities, within the black community, within so many different facets. And how do we view this? And, and I know people say, well, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. But let me tell you something. You're going to talk about it when you go to that person's wake. You're going to talk about it when you go visit them at the hospital. You're going to talk about it when you go to the funeral. You're going to talk about it in those places there. My real question today to you, and I want to hear from you today because, listen, I've done much research in this area here. You're not dealing with novices inside of this. I've spent over the last 20 years of my life dedicated to this subject matter. I now have written concern, uh, uh, to this to this issue. I've been a contributing author, authoring my own book as well, even as we speak, as it relates to this issue. And one of the things that have been very sad for me because of the fact I am not only amongst the faith community, but I'm amongst the secular community. I'm amongst government and civic. And the thing that is so troubling is when I hear in those circles, they talk about the need of the faith community, but in the same breath, they begin to share testimonies like, well, we tried to get the church to help, but they didn't show up. We offered this, and they didn't show up. We offered that. That is a terrible testimony to the world. The Bible says, and if we may go there, that we are the light of the world, <laughs> the city that sits on a hill that cannot be hidden. <clears throat> but furthermore, the Scripture says that we are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, its is influence, then it's therefore good for nothing but to be trying up under the feet of men. The problem is, is the fact that regardless of what I hear people say, I know from not only my own, my own research but other research of others that when you poll people and you ask them, how many of you have heard a sermon in your church on domestic violence, that you'll find out that less than 15% of people have ever heard a sermon on domestic violence in their church, have never heard that be a message, have never heard an empowering message about how to and the where's and those things there. That's the problem. The other problem is the fact that people turn to us, to the church, in a time of crisis. Research says in a time of crisis, people turn to faith leaders and churches interchangeably, number one. That's what they do. Uh, so here's the thing that I want you to know. Uh, so the thing that we have to understand is the fact that whether we want to know it or not, people are turning to us. But if they turn to the church and the church doesn't have the answer, they turn to a pastor and the pastor doesn't know what to do, the pastor ends up sending them back into greater danger. And now you end up eulogizing somebody that you could have saved had you only had the knowledge and the information, had you only been equipped. Those are my concerns that happens inside of this issue here. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us today. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you reach us tonight on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. Uh, if you'd like to have a message or have a word or comment, uh, you can feel free 
Just hit number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to get on the air, and we'll get you on the air this evening. And you don't have to say exactly what this topic. It is open. It is open tonight. It's open mic, and we invite you to be a part of it here. But my, I'd like to hear from many of you that may have a, that may be out there that may have experienced this firsthand, or know someone that have, or perhaps you were in a situation and. Uh, you wasn't taken seriously. If someone told you, well, just get out of it, like it was so easy to get out of, out of it. Or maybe someone is on the line that have gone through this. Maybe you've been displaced. We need to know. People need to understand that it's not a cakewalk. It is very difficult to, re- to regain your footing and regain your life inside of this. So it's very important. Everything. Uh, Gloria, hold on as well. All of you hold on. We have another caller. I'm going to get on the airway right now. Caller, evening and 5565. Good evening. You're on the line. Hope and healing. Good evening. Good evening, and everyone, hello. Um, my name is Annette. I was on here about two weeks ago, and yes. I shared. Um, I won't say that I shared my story. I just shared some of my experiences because I have a lot of stories. Um, but you know, over the course of two weeks, um, you know, I just so happened to um, be talking to one of my girlfriends. And um, she's a little bit more mature than I am. She's been in a relationship, you know, with a gentleman now, off and on. And for some reason, she don't see what's happening. Now, she lives in the house. She has her own house, but she lives in the house with him as well. And what happens is when he gets pissed off about any little things, whether or not she left a dish in the sink or if she's looking at a channel that he's not interested in, I mean, any little minute thing, he gives her the silent treatment. Now, this is a woman that loves this man, but he walks past her in the house and won't even say good morning, good evening, or good night. And this silent treatment goes on for at least three to four weeks at a time, I mean, almost up to a whole month. And what she does is just simply follows by example. If he doesn't talk to her, she won't talk to him, but it's killing her slowly because, you know, her and I didn't speak often, but all of a sudden she started calling me a lot. I'm like, why is she calling me all of a sudden? Yeah, she wants to talk to me now because he's not speaking to her at all. So I mentioned to her, I'm like, you know, seriously, like, you know, this is mental abuse. And she's like, I don't see it like that because I ignore him too. I said, but you're sad. You're unhappy. And that's why you're reaching out to me. And then she goes on to tell me different stories about him and what he's done to her recently. And he has never physically harmed her, but he's beating her down mentally. So in her eyes, everything is a-okay. But what I'm hearing is a woman that's, that's hurt and she's hurting and she's been ignored, and she's not being paid attention to. And she loves this man. Instead of leaving him, because in my heart I feel this old girl walked out. But for some reason in her heart, she's just ignoring me. It's going to be okay. And she tells me that she's tough. She tells me that she's strong. But i I got to know that she's crying. At night when everything is quiet or when she's alone at that house, I know that she's dying inside. So I you, want you bring to up a very important point, too. Let, let me just interject, because you said something I think that is so important to hear. It's the fact that although he may have never physically or have not as of yet physically 
uh, hurt her, or physically hit her. The reality is is that the the emotional, the mental, uh, and even the verbal abuse is devastating, and and that's what we have to understand. Long before a victim is ever beat uh, beat. Uh, beat up they're beaten down they're beaten down by the words they're beaten down by the treatment they're beaten down by the isolation they're beaten down in those ways there and 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 i love what you said because as you have dialogue with her uh she doesn't really see it that way she doesn't see herself in that situation and i'm and i'm the reason i'm glad that you brought that up because oftentimes you cannot see the picture when you're in the frame you can't see the picture when you're in the frame because, in fact, what you're experiencing, what you're dealing with uh, is happening to you. It is happening to you. You don't always see it. So we don't have to wait for some type of elevation or promotion or escalation to it uh, when it becomes physical violence. We have to understand some of these signs very early on. These type of uh, manipula- manipulation games is what they are. They're designed to play with your mind, to play with your head, to play with the way that you think. It's a way of controlling you. A lot of times it's a lot of passive aggressiveness going on. And that's what it sounds like in this situation. Anytime someone can become that upset about any minute thing, there's a lot of passive aggressiveness going on. A lot of times they're acting out uh, their anger and their behavior, uh, and it may not even have anything to do with do with their significant other. It could have things to do with other things. And so uh, we have to be very mindful of that. Continue. Okay, and you know what's funny out of the whole thing? When I, she's about four years. Funny about the entire thing is when I was growing up, when I started hanging out with her about 18 years ago, I looked up to her because I thought she was a tough woman. You know, she dated some guys in the past, and when they did her wrong, I just saw her being tough and strong, you know, and very open-minded and just and very steadfast. She stood her ground. And I was so impressed with that. But I was looking basically just out of one eye. I wasn't looking at the whole circle. And now as I'm up in age, and I'm realizing what's really, really, really happening, she's been weak all along. Because if she feels that it's okay for him to not greet her for a whole month, not even look her way, look in her direction, nothing, for one whole month and they live in the same house, not even touch her, not even be affectionate to her, not one word. If she feels as though that's okay, then I know that she's ill. And I want to say that because a lot of us, we look up to these ladies, they're strong. You know, they're, they're in a position of control. You know, they may be managers. They may be bosses. They may be just, you know, school teachers or principals. And your eyes are strong. They're role models. You look up to them. But the strongest woman can be broken. And I feel as though we just have to look for those key components because at some point in time they're going to need you. That, that same woman that you went to and she and she brought you through you know, the storm and the rain, and she brought you through, and you survived. She's going to need you. You know, and you make a very excellent point. Yeah, and the excellent point is this, that the circle of life come around. And though one may be very strong in one area, they could be very vulnerable in another one. Mm-hmm. And in this case here, I'm not so sure that I call it weakness as much as I call it definitely being very vulnerable and very fragile. You know, at different points in our lives, we, we choose battles. We choose things that are important. You know, when we're much younger, a lot of time we live fancy-free lives, and guess what? We fought for whatever we wanted to, and we just went out. We took risks. We did a lot of those things. And a lot of time when we get older and we get older, that sense of risk-taking is reduced. You know, we use phrases like, listen, I just don't have the strength to fight any longer. 
But then yet it's still on the other end that works in the opposite way for some people. For some people, they said, look, I went through that stuff when I was young. I cannot tolerate that now at this point. But in the midst of that, whether that person have reached that conclusion now or later, you may be a very pivotal person in their lives to help them see it. Because once again, sometimes we cannot see the flowers for the trees. We cannot see the picture when we're in the frame. And so sometimes it takes that loving, that friend, that person there who generally cares about us and our safety and where we are to, to hopefully speak into our lives to get us to understand that our value and our worth is greater than that. I don't deserve to be emotionally uh, uh, being down, physically being down, mm-hmm. spiritually being down on no account. And so that's very important there. Eric code 323-784-9638, that is the number that you can reach us. We're going to be right back after this break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Hold Us. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I will be right back right after this commercial break. <laughs> Via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio. by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to SOAR. And now back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. 
back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on this Soul of America Radio Network. Before we left on break, we were talking with our callers that have called in and sharing different experiences here. I kind of start off tonight really kind of asking the question, you know, what is it that we need to do or what is it that we must do to change the perspective and our perception in our community as it relates to this issue of domestic violence? We know people. We know people that are going through. We know people that are abused, and we know people that are there. And I want to ask the question, what type of choices do you think people are making inside of, of relationships? What type of choices are they making? What is, what is tolerable for you? What is non-negotiable? That's a question I'm putting out there for each and for any of you that are there tonight. Of course, if you'd like to speak to us, speak to me, have a question or comment, just simply dial area code 323-784-9638. Hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know uh, that you want to get on the air, and we'll get you on the air tonight. So I put that question out there. I still have uh, I still have both Gloria and Annette. They're both uh, still on the line here, and uh, feel free to jump in at any time. But I, I propose that question there. In relationships, do we do do we have our non-negotiables, uh, uh, and do we have those things that we're willing to tolerate? You don't have to be a victim of domestic violence to answer that. It's just that when you look back on it, you may can talk about your own personal experience. Do I have my non-negotiables? Or do I have some things I'm willing to tolerate? And I throw a third nugget in there. Do I, does it depend on where I am in this relationship as far as how much will I tolerate? That's the question. It's out there tonight. Anybody want to jump in on that one? Feel free to do so. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you know, as I'm listening to the to the question, that um, for me, I know I tolerated a lot of foolishness um, in my past relationships um, because I didn't understand my self worth. You know, it, it would just happen to be a couple. You know, I, I think about this often, and even you know, in in this Christian walk, you know, you know, we we were we're supposed to love each other, but do we really love ourselves? And um, that's a question that is always in my mind, you know, because if and especially for me as an African American woman, you know. What is my self-worth? How do I really appreciate who I am, you know, culturally, spiritually, you know, the the whole individual person? And a lot of times, you know, because society throws us out there to look this way, you know. And like I said, my parents did not, you know, didn't raise me to not love who I am, you know, but I just happened to gravitate to those type of man because I felt I wasn't worth enough, pretty enough, smart enough, you know, not small enough. So whatever they would tell me, I would be like, okay, you know, and I would just put up with whatever foolishness they would, you know, dish out until I finally realized, you know, I am a diamond. I am beautiful and phenomenal, and I don't have to take this. So I finally put my, you know, foot down, so to speak. After many, you know, years, but it's it's wow. not where you it's not where you start. It's how you finish. So that is, you know, the, I'm determined to to be that woman. And I know, you know, from several years up until now, I know I'm a different person. 
You know, true enough, I have, you know, I get a little hesitant sometimes, you know, and every on occasions, like I say, like I'm talking to you tonight, this is still healing for me. Um, as I get out and, and do more um, speaking engagements, it's still a healing process to me. But I know I'm a stronger person, and I embrace the person who I am, and I just I love that about me. But it it, it but that that question is always in the back of my mind. You know, how do we oh. love ourselves? Truly love ourselves as individuals? Oh. Yes. Okay. Did you want to did you want to jump in at all, Annette? Oh, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, you know, in the past Today, well, let's just start at today. Today I don't put up with a thing. I'm a single mother right now, two beautiful little girls, and in my head at times I feel as though I'm never going to be married only because, you know, I meet these guys, I think they're great, and all they have to do is do something, I mean, just the smallest little thing. If I even have a hint that they're cheating or if I even get a hint that they're controlling, or if I even get a hint that they may scream or yell loud or, or they may just not be the man for me, I'm out. I don't ask any questions. I'm done. Now, in the past, I was very passive. I was more patient. I don't even know if the patience is the right word. But I was dating even my kid's father. When I dated him, I allowed him to hit me, curse me, yell at me, and cheat on me. He got the, he got the whole package. He was able to get his cake and eat it, too. And I dealt with it, not for six months, not for a year, but for tons of years. And But today, I'm single. I love it. I'm carefree. I'm happy. I know who I am as a woman. I'm confident. I'm beautiful inside and out. But I have a story to tell. And if I can give any woman with my past experiences and what they've made me today, I don't mind sharing them. I don't mind sharing them. I feel good when I'm able to open up and relinquish all of these good things I have to offer another woman. But I don't take any anything off of a man these days. As soon as I feel as though I'm not going to be in control of the situation, I'm out. Well, it's interesting how uh, each of you, you talk about your experiences, how it changed you as far as things that you once was tolerable with you and that you put up with and you were willing to put up with. And sometimes it wasn't even a matter of willing. It was just the fact that it, it became part of the fabric with you. And a lot of the time it does come to knowing our self-worth. It does come to realizing that we are, that we, that we have significance. And I know that it may sound strange, but allow, allow it to be what it is. You know, myself as a man, that, that oftentimes I will say, to you as women that you got to understand this your sense of self-worth is crucial it is critical that you know your sense of self-worth now watch this you can know your sense of self-worth and yet it's still that sense of self-worth may be predicated you may be based in it upon the wrong things you're more than behind you're more than breasts you're more than hips you're more than lips you're more than those things and you've got to make sure that you know that you're more than all of those things. Because if you don't know that, if you don't mean something to someone for who you are, the essence of who you are, just the fact of your brain, your smile, your brain gives off an energy that I love. You know, if that's not the essence of of how you're being perceived, then you've got to ask yourself a question that how do they really see me? But more importantly, how do I see myself? 
I'm better than that. I deserve to be talked to better. I deserve to be treated better. I deserve to be respected. I deserve to be embraced. I deserve to be valued because I value myself. And this here's the agreement. I value me. In order for you to be with me, you need to value me. And if you mm-hmm. cannot value me, then we cannot agree. We cannot walk together because I value myself. Mm-hmm. And that is crucially important. So those are the things that you talk about. You tolerate it. And, and then you kind of went on and you talked about the fact there was some non-negotiable for you. For those of you that may just be joining us, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Fickland, and I'm so glad you've joined us on the Soul of America Radio Network. We have an open line tonight, just open topic, and we're talking about not only abusive relationships, we're talking about coming out of those. And, 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 and how can we, you know, what are the things that we can do? What are the things that we can do to change the, the perception? of how we look at domestic violence and even how we look at ourselves. You know, when we think that, okay, I can't do any better, what happens with that? You know, or I would, because it's never easy. It's not an easy, it's not an easy um, decision to say I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving this relationship. You might want to leave in your mind, but getting your body to follow oftentimes is not as simple as that. So there are so many reasons to stay at times. What do you mean there are so many reasons to stay at times? There are reasons to stay such as what? There are reasons to stay such as the fact that, well, it doesn't happen all the time. They don't always disrespect me. They always buy me gifts. Oh, they can be so sweet when they want to be. Oh, they buy me things. They give me things. Those are the things that happen. And so because of the fact, you know, whatever I bring to the center of this, and I begin to look at myself and say, well, look, and I start balancing things off, maybe for some it makes it a little bit more tolerable to remain in it. I can recall in my many years of doing this work, I can recall uh, in doing this work, I can recall at one time working for a particular shelter. And in working for this particular shelter, I remember um, uh, answering a hotline call, and there's two different calls. And I had a woman there who had been actually, a person who actually had been married for some nearly, uh, for some nearly uh, 40 years. And inside of that, they had been in an abusive relationship. And when they talked about the danger, I'm like saying, okay, are you afraid? Are you okay? Uh, you know, uh, do you want shelter? And I'm talking to them, and they say, no, no, I don't. I don't want shelter. But they begin to recite what that just happened to them. And when you really get to – when I really got to digging inside the situation, what they simply said to me was this, they didn't want shelter. And for them that, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And the fact that they had been afforded the lifestyle that they had, they were well-to-do. They lived in a very exclusive place. They had all the fine amenities of life. And the temporary setback of, a, of, a, of occasional abusiveness was something that they could handle. Mm. They just simply needed someone to talk to about it when it became a little overwhelming. Now, we learned not to judge. We learned not to judge them. But it definitely brought attention to the way that I saw their rationale and the way that they saw themselves. That was very crucial inside of that. And so it's an interesting thing as we look at this issue of abusive relationships, as we look at how those things frame out and how they play out. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you'd reach us. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. If you like to uh, have a comment or be a guest, simply hit number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. We'll get you on the air. You don't have to give your name if you don't like, but we welcome your comments. We, le- we welcome your feedback inside of this. 
ladies, I want I want to go and, and callers. I want to go this route for a second because uh, so uh, I want I want to go this route. I want to go this route because of fact that I think this is crucial. I want to give you a, a back of what I considered a time in my life where I believe that it was prophetic for me that I knew that this would be part of what I'm doing. I knew that my life would have been so dedicated to this. I was already concerned as an individual. But I worked. I worked at a particular hospital in South Florida for 11 years. And from the moment I got there to the hospital, we were introduced to domestic violence. I started at that hospital on this particular day of the week. I met my fellow coworkers. One of the co-workers was actually the individual who kind of, uh, kind of showed me around. And I would never forget the next day on that particular job, I, I had lunch with them, and they left earlier than I did. I came on a later shift. And I remember they were talking about what they were going to do that weekend, and I remember saying to them, okay, take care, be careful, that type of thing. On that Monday, when I would return to work, I will never forget this scene the rest of my life. As I walked through the doors, I heard screaming and people running down the hallway. They were yelling that this particular young lady had just been killed. Her name was Avis. She had been killed. She had been killed by her strange, significant other that morning. Not only had he killed her, but he also killed her aunt. Her aunt was a bus driver for the Palm Beach County bus system. And he had killed them both. The place was in shock. Later on, we discovered that he had not just been abusive then. He had gone to jail before. He had broken her leg before inside of abusiveness and those type things. She left behind a son and a daughter. She did. She left behind a son and a daughter. And these individuals all grown now have their own kids. But it was a very tragic thing that happened there. Lives taken so early on. She was a young woman. And she was killed there. I didn't understand it. All I knew that the weight of the heaviness at that hospital from these individuals who had been killed in an abusive relationship was way too heavy, way too heavy to even bear. And when I think about it, you know, it was something very, very, it was very, it was very impactful and traumatic for those that work in our department. Those who knew her longer than I did, of course, it was more traumatic for them because they had worked with her. They knew her. They knew a little bit about her situation. Well, I fast forward just a few years later, folks, at the very same hospital. A young lady there, very happy-go-lucky, happy-go-lucky in her spirit, very happy-go-lucky, always a smile on her face, walked on her tiptoes. No one would have ever thought perhaps she was in an abusive relationship. Twenty-six years old, as I recall it. And this young lady here was murdered by her husband. As a matter of fact, folks, this was a homicide-suicide. And actually, it was one better than that. We call it formalicide. And when I say formalicide, this particular day, as the story is told, there was simply words about just taking care of the bills. The husband killed his wife, killed their six-year-old son, and killed himself. Once again, same hospital, rocked by domestic violence, murder, suicide. No one saw it coming. No one saw it coming. 
questions being asked. Did you know? Who was close to her? What did she say to you? Did anybody know about that? Then once again, folks, tragedy struck again. Remember, I'm talking to you. All of this here happened. I was there 11 years, and all of this happened here within the first eight years of being there. And the last thing I remember was another individual, didn't say a whole lot, worked there in the cafeteria, did not know I, all these things are what I found out later on. But she was estranged, no longer married to her husband. But oftentimes, you and I do, should know that just because you say it's over with and we're done doesn't mean that the other party always agrees. The other party oftentimes, if they've been the controlling person in a relationship, they oftentimes want to be the one to determine when it's over. And they'll tell you it's not over until I say that it's over. Hmm. This particular Sunday morning, he comes to her house. And as he comes to her house, where she is and where their young son was, he started in inside of discussion and it escalated. As the story is told that he then sent, <laughs> watch this, he sent their son to the newspaper stand to get a newspaper. And while that son was going to get the newspaper, he violently stabbed her multiple times, stabbing her to death, and went on to begin to cut the tip of her breast off. So now we're talking about not just murder. We're talking about beyond that. And it was a horrifying atmosphere. It's a horrifying thing. What are these things in common? Well, I'll tell you, in this case, all three of these were women of color. Two of the three women were in their 20s at the time of this incident. Each of these women here worked at the same hospital, worked around people that they saw every day. And yet and still, there was not one course being offered, even at the hospital, to us about domestic violence or safety or any of those things. Because we have a tendency to be able to stuff things. It happened, move on. It happened. We never think about the far-reaching impact about it. You know, I have a niece. I have a niece who lost her mother to domestic violence. My, my brother is actually her father, my youngest brother. But this was after she was born, of course, and her mother was dating a guy. Matter of fact, she was dating a guy that we grew up with back in Alabama. And though she had had problems with him, and she actually had two small kids from this guy, no one could have been prepared for what happened to her. She came home night, uh, came home early from work one night. She was working overnight shift. Um, she was LPN, getting ready to further her education for us in nursing. And when she came home, she came home only to discover that he had another person there in her bed, even with her kids there. He was so alarmed that she caught him, and she left out, you know, saying, I can't believe you're doing that. She's totally in disgust, and uh, he's not knowing what she's going to do. Got in his car, going behind her, ran her over like a common street dog, and killed uh. her. Uh. He, he did exactly one year in the county jail. One year in the county jail. And they end up dismissing this guy basically on a vehicular uh, a, a vehicular manslaughter type of charge, and he still got off with one year. 
See, the trauma is the fact that I lived here in Florida by that time, and my niece was there, and everyone thought she was just so strong and precocious, and I tell you, it wasn't the case. That's where we miss it. We don't understand. You know, though the violence have ended, and oftentimes in murder, Mm. and though it has occurred and it's going on, we don't understand the long-term impact that it has on the individuals who's left behind. My niece was doing fine for years, so people thought. But understand, other layers of life and trauma hit her. Not only did she lose a mother at the very tender age she was of nine years old, she loses a mother, uh, being raised by her grandmother at that time. The two younger siblings are there. Imagine the feeling she had that once, once her mother's boyfriend got out of jail, this same man was allowed to come to the house to pick up her two younger siblings. Yeah. No one thinks about the trauma of looking at someone that you know killed your loved one and expect it to go on. Lives are changed. Families are devastated with these type of things. We have to understand how do we deal with it. We have to understand this impacts the way you look at yourself, the way you look at relationships. And later on in that little niece's life, and she was so strong and through all those things, but she got to a place where she crashed. She crashed people because, see, we don't know when it comes up, especially when we have not had intervention. We have not been healed. We have not gone through any type of intervention whatsoever. And I know we and the people of God in the church, we just say, just shout on it. We dance around it. <laughs> but that's the reason we need to be healed. Eric code 323 you listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, Area Code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. You'd like to have a question and or comment, simply hit number one on your keypad. We'll get you on the air tonight. Open there, so feel free to interject anytime. We have some callers that are still on our live wire here and everything. But I, I, I chose to share just some of these stories because this is some of the ways that I was impacted very early on in seeing situation with domestic violence. And I've seen so many, so many beyond that over over my twenty something years in, in addressing this issue. I've seen families' lives compromised in the worst of ways. Uh, my heart is broken every time I hear of any type of domestic violence incident, not just those that end in, in uh, fatalities. My heart is hurt to think about the woman or the man, as far as they go, that are living in a perpetual state of fear, a perpetual state of fear and anguish, a perpetual state of emptiness, a perpetual state of loss. Yes. Think about it. You know what it's like to have a friend who's afraid, who's afraid to go anywhere, afraid to say anything, afraid to go out, afraid to look at anyone, afraid to do anything because of the fact of the relationship they're in, and then they are forced to think that it's love. And we say, well, why do they stay? They stay for a number of reasons. Sometimes they stay because they know he's crazy, and they know if they try to leave that their chances of dying is increased. And by the way, they would be right. Research shows that. So it's not always just leave now. It's sometimes knowing when to leave and knowing how to leave, knowing how to put that safety plan together. That's why you have to be above your emotions inside of this. What do I mean by that? In other words, sometimes there can be times that are good times and those little good honeymoon moments in between there, but you know that the relationship is still abusive. 
So you know what? The best time to repair a leak is when the sun is shining. So sometimes the best time to get away from these type of situations when it looks like it's going good, when it looks like it's all right. Not forgetting that I'm still in danger and I've got to get out of this. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you can reach us here. I'm going to be back for the final stretch and some questions and comments right after this commercial message. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to holiness. This is J.R. Thicklin. I'll see you on the other side of the break. Issues, but those issues doesn't have to be abuse. And when they become abusive issues, then 
and those are deep issues. Those are issues that has to be addressed. Those are issues that you cannot necessarily sweep up under the rug. And undoubtedly, even amongst our audience tonight, there are plenty of people that are listening to me that probably have either endured abusive relationship or know someone that has. And I'm always I'm always interested in hearing uh, people's story, and I have even in terms of some of the content that I'm using for my book. It's it's, it's stories, compilations of people's stories that they've given me permission to share. Uh, not necessarily using their names. Some have asked me to change names, of which I am changing their names and things in it. But what is interesting for me is the fact that one of the reasons that this show is so important and that I do it is because I want to show that you can heal, you can overcome, you can get through this. It is not the end. It may seem like the walls have come down on you in the midst of what you're going in in its current and present state, but you can come through it. Pain is hurtful. Pain hurts deep and inside of that. But we can get through, but we have to find a way. And the first thing is that we have to break the silence. We have to understand that we're better than that, that we deserve more than that, and that, listen, that we're not, we're not what those individuals say that we are. We've got to begin to speak to our own future and understand the fact that you're so much better than that, you're worth more than that. But on the other hand, if you're a friend of someone or a loved one uh, of someone, we got to understand our role. How can we be there? Not there to judge them or to criticize them or to put them down, but to let them know that they deserve better and that you're afraid for their safety in their lives and that you want to see them uh, safe and you want to see them out of this and that you're willing to stand with them through it. The true test of friendship is the fact, am I willing to be with you in your valley? There are too many. There are too many mountaintop friends. They show up when you're doing good. But they don't show up when you're going through some things. And those, and those friends that only show up when you're doing good aren't really friends. Folks there are called situational, situa- situational life sojourners. That's what they are. But when you have a friend, understand that friend knows how to live and how to walk judge-free of you. Understanding, you know what, that I am standing with you through this all. And that's what the message I want to convey tonight. In our last few minutes that, that we're on the air tonight, I just want to oh, make sure that you know that the lines are open up, Erico 323-784-9638. I would love to hear from some of you your opinions, your comments. Simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. You don't have to give your name, but I'd love to hear your feedback, your opinion. Perhaps you have a story to share. Perhaps someone that you've dealt with uh, that's been in an abusive relationship. Perhaps you have a question. What should I do in this situation with a friend, a loved one that's inside of it? You might be a person that's listening tonight. You say, look, I have a different problem. I have a friend or someone I know that is being abusive. They're the ones that's threatening it. I need to know how to approach them. What do I say? What is my responsibility? We hope to answer all those questions and then some tonight right here on the Hope and Healing a journey to wholeness. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you reach us. You're on the air. In our last few minutes, I want to open it up. We're open line, open mic to you tonight. Uh, feel free to jump in uh, any moment because the story you share, the point that you make, will make a world of difference to someone that's listening. I promise you that. It is the one comment I constantly get from people that write or call. They said, "I'm so glad that I listened last night." Uh, what that person said really answered my question or it really gave me a different insight into something. So that's why I'm telling you, sharing goes a long way in making a difference that could change, potentially change, someone else's life. 
That's how you reach us, area code 323 Open lines, you're here tonight on the airway. Uh, uh, feel free right now to join in. I know that I have still on the live line both Gloria and Annette, and if you'd like to join in, feel free to do so there. Either one of you, uh, the line is open, and anyone that may be listening, just hit number one on your keypad. Join in with us live. Either one of you, Annette or Gloria. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd like to share at this moment, a piece of advice, a situation, things that you think that we, we can do better as far as a people, a community, or, or perhaps the necessity for all of us to understand how important it is for us to stand up and speak out. Well, um, for, like I said, it's this. as long as we get up and we keep doing this to keep getting that word out and, and encouraging each other and educating one another. I think that's that's always going to be the key to um to this. And um and it's just it's as I you know listen to the news and and read different things on what's going on within our community. It's just it's mind-boggling. It's like you know every 9 seconds, you know, you you you're hearing something. And I remember years ago when it wasn't that many deaths but now it's like every day, um, and and by me being a former, you know, preschool teacher, you know, in the Head Start community, you know, a lot of the kids were were struggling with um, um, different things in their households, you know, and they're coming to school, they're, you know, the teachers are trying to figure out, well, why is Johnny upset? You know, why is he so angry? Why is he, you know, but... A lot of times, with even with the teachers, they were not equipped. And this is why I want to go back to even my Head Start centers, you know, as a trainer or whatever capacity I can do this, because a lot of times they felt that the teachers were at fault, you know, in dealing with, you know, um, challenging children. And 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 I'm like, no, the the teacher's not at fault. You need to train her. Let's find out what's wrong in this situation, you know. Um, but that that is really heavy on my heart. And um, you know, I wanted to share that and just basically to encourage everyone that's listening that you know there is hope and you can be healed. So that's all I want to say as we close. And I really appreciate that. You know, you hit a point, and you talk about the prevalence of it, how often it's happening. And you know that I do this every every now and then on the show. I want to share with you right. the number of deaths, the number of deaths are related to domestic violence that has been recorded. And these are that's been recorded. These are what has been reported to the domestic violence crime watch from July 12th through Friday, July 18th. I'm going to give you the name and age and the city and state where these individuals are from. Watch this. Julia Green, age 21, out of Houston, Texas. Shelly L. Hudson, 46, out of Marion, Indiana. Chastity Michelle Hancock, age 26, out of Garber, Oklahoma. Maria Teresa Aguiar, age 59, out of Casadino, California. Are you ready for this one? Because what you're going to see here is really something terrible, because part of these are domestic violence homicides as well, uh, homicides, uh, homicide suicide. Louise Aguiar, 91, out of Pasadena, California. Figure that one out. And watch this. This is one big family here. Jose Hernandez Iribe, age 31, out of Pasadena, California. Adarius Thompson, age 27, out of Chicago, Illinois. Hadi Monroy, 
24 out of Monterey, Louisiana. Mary Meha. Magia, I'm sorry, age 44, out of Hartford, California, out of Hanford, California. Abigail Baker, 29, out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Then you have Tina Louise Whitehead Ellis Lynch, 43, out of Johnson City, Tennessee. Jordan Peter Skaggs, age 31, out of Richlands. Megan Bernier, age 29, out of Austin, Texas. Here's one that's a little closer to our area here. Rosanna Savitar age 31, out of Hialeah, Florida. Nicole Anne-Marie Nikki Vito, age 33, out of San Antonio, Texas. Cindy Regoza, age 45, out of Fresno, California. Steph, oh, wow. I mean, there's so many here that I'm almost losing my spot. Nicholas Potts, age 27, Grand Junction, Colorado. Mackenzie Madden, age 19, out of Logan City, Utah. Jonathan Sattler, age 25, out of Logan City, Utah. Marion Blevins, 65, out of West Point, Kentucky. Stephanie Marie Hermes, out of thir- age 32, out of Conway, Arkansas. Pamela Frame, 64, out of Edmond, Oklahoma. Shannon Ratliff, age 42, out of Tavares, Florida. Mavis Ratliff, age 66, out of Tavares, Florida. So you understand those two are connected there. Mm-hmm. Joe L's. Cisneros Correa, 23, out of Montclair, California. Angela M. Covington, 37, out of Pensacola, Florida. Alma Harley, age 33, out of Hughesville, Maryland. Anne Shamir, Shea Cephas, age 28, out of Miami, Florida. Azam Stallworth, age 31, out of Hawthorne, California. Candace Williams, 26, out of Houston, Texas. Lenny Gonzalez. 44, out of Calaline, Texas, and Cadence Justine Harris, age 5, out of Atchison, Kansas. Folks, listen, out of that, 22 of those were gun deaths. Three of them were stabbing deaths. Four of them was beating deaths. And the other two have not even been determined a cause. And I ask the question once again, is this really our business? Absolutely. The issue of domestic violence is so far reaching and so far impactful that literally we have to we have to become empowered. We have to do the things that are necessary. In most recent weeks, finding ourselves assisting victims of domestic violence, oftentimes out of the abusive situation, but we have a big disconnect even with our shelter services in this country. There are not enough long term beds. There are not not enough long term, you know, transitional housing. Many shelters in many areas are down to only allowing a victim to be there six weeks. You realize it takes that long just to just to get your head together. The fact that you had to relocate and try to start life all over all over again. We have to begin to galvanize resources, galvanize uh, different entities and corporations and organizations to be, make, be able to make a difference in this issue of domestic violence. As we're in our closing moments of the show today, uh, Annette, I think you're still with us. I don't know if you have any closing remarks, but we turn it to you if you have any closing remarks. If you're there, Annette, we're turning to you if you have any closing remarks. 
And if not so, I just want to say to all of you that are listening tonight, I want you to do us a great favor. Help spread the word about the specialized faith-based training on domestic violence that is getting ready to occur in South Florida here August 16th, 2014. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business, or by choice to Fellowship page, or go to my page, Jay Ficklin, on Facebook. Uh, friend me. Uh, very glad to have you become part of our group. You'll be glad that you did. And I want to just thank you, and I'm going to give, I want you today to give yourselves a hand for just being a great audience, great listeners today. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. And as we get ready to leave, I want to just leave you with this. I want you to know that there is no excuse for abuse. And I want you to know that you can make a difference and that violence does not have to be the response to conflict. But rather let resolution be the response to conflict. And until next time, this is J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us, and I'll see you then. Remember, live life, live safe, live love.